0: Happy Monday. Welcome to the beat of sports. Mark Daniels here. Scott Harris is over there. This is the holiday season. Thanksgiving's next week. Some people are still serving. Well, I mean, that just came up on us, man, you know. So the holiday vibe is here. Uh, wow. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. and great. Some of us wow. are still celebrating Halloween. Well, that's fine. You can do whatever you want, but man, it's a, a you know full blown holiday season, and uh, we got a busy Monday to get to. Thanks for joining us. Hope you had a really nice uh, weekend, and a lot of football that we're gonna digest and spit out, regurgitate, dive into. You know, uh, so we'll do that in the course of our time. But uh, join us in the huddle. <laughs> oh man, the well, game
1: plan for the show today. Yeah. Let's go to the whiteboard.
0: Right. White. Yeah, all bad. Um but I hope you had a nice weekend and off we go. Busy week again. A lot of fun stuff uh in, in, in front of us. What 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 are you wearing? What is that T shirt? Or-
1: twist it's the Twister T shirt. Ah yeah.
0: okay. Yeah. you Have a nice weekend.
1: I did. Yeah, hanging out with you. I'm hanging out with you a lot lately.
0: Scott uh, produced the UCF football game on Saturday. Our Chris Vasquez was at Lambeau Field yesterday for the Packers and the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. He got to see a great game. His Cowboys didn't win, mm-hmm. but if you're going to go to Lambeau and it goes to overtime, yeah, you know it's not too bad. Um, but uh, so Scott filled in on Saturday to produce the UCF game. And obviously, mm-hmm. Scott's produced many different broadcasts of. Dumb shows like this and other games, uh, but that was your first. That was my first football game, pro- and actually, that was my first UCF football game producing.
1: I should say I produced the curable a couple of times.
0: Okay, and how'd it go? It was good. It was it was fun. How immature are we? Very. Yeah. Very. Right. Would you pay for the back fee to that broadcast if <laughs> you could get access to it?
1: I was texting my girlfriend about this because she was like, "How's it going?" And I'm like. I've never heard this side of Mark before during a football game in Which a commercial part?
0: break. Like how intense I am during the game? Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah, you live and die with every possession, right? Yeah. And then learning. But well, there's enough joking around going on, mm-hmm. right? Oh, absolutely there, we there have is. We people on yeah. the broadcast booth. There was that, yes.
1: <laughs> we brought it's... My favorite
0: part is some of the corporate sponsors and, and and large donors that went on this trip. So, yeah, bring them in the booth, hang out.
1: My yeah. favorite quote that I can say on the air is Mark going, "Who let these people in here?" No. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's I right, did. Mark. Yeah. I did. Yeah.
0: No, it was fun. It was, it, it, yeah. So, um, a long game, three hours and about fifty minutes. It's fun. So, from pregame to post, it's you know north of six hours and everything. But uh, but yeah, it was great. We'll get to the uh, UCF game itself. I mean, the turnout was, I, I don't even know what the, the count was, but to me, it looked as if there were three to 4,000 UCF fans that were there. Uh, Martin, and they were on our side. And again, is... I'm so close to the field, the window's open, people come up. Scott, during the broadcast, they want to take selfies and everything. I'm like, hey, I'm working. but
1: This is how I knew there was a great UCF contingent. Every time Colton Boomer did a kick, mm-hmm. you could hear the fans chant his name. Boomer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so it was fun. It was fun. Um, and I'll tell you about the trip in a little bit. Uh, and we had, I mean, state of Florida had a good day with Florida. Florida State, Miami, UCF won. Get to the NFL. Uh, the Bucks win in Germany. Uh, what a scene that was. Mm-hmm. Holy Smokes,
1: and they're just singing along to like all of wow. our songs.
0: And another, uh, you know, crazy day at different times in the NFL uh, yesterday. So we'll uh, break all of that down. Oh, I'm
1: sorry, I, I didn't. Uh, but yeah, it was a great thing.
0: What was a great thing?
1: I don't know. I completely lost my train of thought there for a second.
0: Oh, did you go see your movie? Did I go see-
1: oh, sorry. No, I think is I forgot to play your uh, your victory song. That's my bad.
0: Uh well, let me just say, you know, when you dominate the Houston Texans by eight at home, hanging on, uh, it's a statement. Listen, it ain't a beauty pageant, baby. You know, win. It ain't a beauty pageant. The ugly girl sometimes gets asked to dance, and we got no problem because we're still on the dance floor at 7-2, and two, and keep the music playing, okay? Here comes that hot Detroit Lions team to town next to try to get win number eight. It doesn't matter. You win by one, win by 101. It's a W. It's all that matters. It's guys, a W. You guys are going to be a playoff Guess team. Guess who's in third place in the NFC East? The Cowboys are. Okay? Yeah. How's that taste? Okay? <sighs> you guys are going to be a playoff team, aren't you? Scott, I think you need 10 wins to get into the NFC East playoffs. Mm-hmm. The Giants are 7-2. and Okay? So, yeah. I don't know how we're doing it, but, you know, again, yesterday I had to go look up at Pro Football Reference. Who's that playing for? <laughs> that play? I don't know that name, but that's okay. It's fine. Uh did I see what movie? Didn't you go to a movie? I Oh, oh, oh you saw Black Panther. Yeah, saw so Black on Panther will kind of forever yeah, yeah, on Thursday. Yeah,
1: okay. No, but there's a there's a the, it, there is a slate of movies coming out. The the Fablemans comes out next week, the Steven Spielberg uh biopic, which I cannot wait to see. Okay.
0: Do you have an, you have any interest in seeing that movie? I just saw the trailer. Um I mean, I, I'm not the guy that goes to the theater. what I see it at some point? That's down what the I mean. August? Is it a movie Probably. you would yeah. watch? I think I would. Like, okay. I think it would. So uh, we go out to dinner on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, not a good sign. We're on the bus to the hotel, and yeah. Scott Adams of our broadcast crew goes, Oh, blank. You fill in the blank. <laughs> he left his computer on the plane. Yeah. Okay. He did get it back, but it was in a weird way. He got it back after the game on the flight back, and... The number of hands that had that computer, including Gus Malzahn, is fascinating. I mean, that's a column in itself that I could write, but it did get its way back. Will this get brought this up on
2: the Cooch Show on Thursday? Unbelievable.
0: Uh, so uh, then we went out to dinner on Friday, okay? And we learned of this little game that's played, because the airport is right across the street from the hotel we stayed at. Mm-hmm. So to order an Uber, we're, we were going two miles. Yeah. There's a little bit of a game that Uber drivers are playing. they want the pickup at the airport because that person likely is going a greater distance than where we want to go, yeah, so you know the driver can hold your request mm-hmm. so you know when the little dots are kind of moving, connecting the driver, yeah and and you press OK to accept, right? Mm-hmm. well, the driver has to accept, yeah, but I learned the driver can hold your request mm-hmm. for a period of time, mm. So for like minutes, it's like we no, we don't. No, we don't. And I got that in the way back because mm-hmm. I'm pretty anal about this. Going online, look at my online banking. I have four charges, like pending holds, and then four cancellations yeah. because it happened on the way back. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we went to Kenner Seafood. Okay, local kind of hole in the wall, but a friend recommended and said, "Look, great local food." We weren't going anywhere near downtown. Bourbon Street and so forth and one of those that the driver goes oh you'll love it but you pull up and you're like mm, I don't know but Scott it was great go inside kind of the old wood and you know the heavy set woman up front that tells you the food's great just says, come on the back mm-hmm. real nice homey atmosphere massive menu everything you want Louisiana southern seafood and the meal was fantastic a great seafood gumbo that's what you got? I started out with a seafood gumbo And then I had um, uh, uh, the grilled spicy shrimp, a couple of sides, a couple of guys got the stuffed uh, redfish, Gary Paris got the big seafood platter, and then they did a corn bisque that I guess was so good that both Scott Adams and John Heisler had it for dessert. Oh, wow. They decided to do a little bisque for dessert Mm -hmm. and everything. meal was fantastic. It was absolutely great. It was just uh, Fantastic. Uh, really affordable and everything. So, uh, But I, I knew when we landed pre- between our hotel and then people that were already downtown that there was a ton of UCF fans that went on this trip and, and, mm-hmm. and they were loud at the stadium. And like I said, we're so close to the field that literally with our booth window open, the fans are coming up and taking selfies during the game and wanting to talk and things like that. But it was good. And uh, you know UCF once have made for an even fun post-game and then uh, a safe trip back and all good, but it was cold. By the time that game ended, it felt like temperature was 45, and it just had a real chill. But um, it was a good win for uh, UCF and uh, the rest of the Saturday and Sunday football, which we'll get to. Let's see, other uh, notes, uh, I saw Alex Martins, the CEO of the Magic, he's on the board at UCF. He mm. and his uh, daughter came up for the game. So I was talking to Alex, and I said, "Hey, a couple of nice wins, and the Magic, uh, you know, got back-to-back wins, beating Dallas. That the game moved up on Wednesday, then beat the Suns without Paolo, and uh, the Magic are back in action again tonight when they play. They play the
1: Charlotte Hornets.
0: Steve Clifford coming back for more. Uh, we got coverage tonight on one hundred four point five, the beat, because we got UCF basketball tonight here. So the Magic will look to get another win." Uh, tonight. Oh, yeah, it's another instance. So we landed. Me hanging out with Mark today. Yeah, so so we landed, and right by our plane was the Houston Rockets plane. Yeah. Which was massive. Mm-hmm. But then I learned from Alex, uh, and I didn't know this. I mean, I knew that that not every NBA team had their own plane, mm-hmm. but I didn't know. Alex said it's only like three, four teams hmm. that the league has a deal with a, a an airline that, that yeah. they all share, that, that this airline... Has like 11, I think you said like 11 or 12 of these jumbo redesigned planes. Mm-hmm. And that's how they share them. But the Rockets are one of the few teams that owns their own plane. Hmm. Wow, that is big. It's like bet. a full-size court is inside there. <laughs> <laughs> that's how big it was. Um, but uh, Hey, man, Tillman for Teeth's got the money. Wow. A little controversy in the F1. Yeah. Wow. Good for George Russell and Mercedes. A 1-2 finish in Brazil, but then... Uh, for Red Bull, when Max Verstappen was asked to allow his teammate, Checo Perez, to go by to help him on the points to finish second to Max, he wouldn't let him pass. And the beauty of F1, you get the radio, mm-hmm. and you heard both drivers, and wow, that's a little bit uncomfortable going to the final race. A little bit? Wow. I mean, I'm a Max fan, but even I thought that was, that was classless what he did. And, yeah. Interesting there. So, all right, uh, we come back. We'll get to uh, the football that was a big win for UCF and uh, really good wins for Florida State and Florida and even Miami. And we'll tackle the uh, college football stuff. And we'll also get to some of the NFL uh, big games yesterday. Uh, outside of the box getting a win that they needed i i think there's something else that you should take out of that game in germany which i'll get to stick around we're just getting started on monday edition of the Vita sports
2: 969 the game fm hd online at 969thegame.com Nine, on your phone with the iHeartRadio radio app and on hundreds of devices like alexa google home xbox and sonos and iheart radio station
0: Sports Bar Daniels are brought to you by our good friends at Greenway Ford and Greenway Dodge. Black Friday now at Greenway Dodge, Greenway Ford. Uh, Visit shopgreenwaydodge.com or greenwayford.com. Your complete satisfaction is our commitment. Greenway, uh, the only way. Um, It was uh, the next big game for UCF, and it was a big one as Tulane as a ranked team, hosting a ranked team for the first time in 73 years and first place on the line in the American. Um, And it was a big weekend within the conference. East Carolina had a chance to beat Cincinnati. The Bearcats hang on and win uh, on Friday. And then uh, the UCF-Tulane game was the biggest non-P5 game of the year. Both teams being ranked and winner controls her destiny in the American and for UCF after the win they can win the next two and they host the conference championship game uh, I mentioned Mike Bianchi in the bridge I I did not know after the radio show on Thursday with Gus Malzahn what he was going to do at quarterback I asked him off the air and he said he, he knew what he wanted to do and in knowing Gus I kind of know how far to go and ask some stuff and then on Friday when we landed in New Orleans is when I first learned uh, about it and uh, early on in the football game John Rice Plumley makes some big plays 67 yard run for a touchdown and the first of two really big runs on his first three carries the next thing you know you've got um, a quarterback that's making some big plays and i Gus said on Friday to the ESPN broadcast team about his reason is that, hey, he believes a quarterback or any player doesn't lose their job because of an injury. And when uh, John Rice Plumley was fully ready to play health-wise, um, he made his decision. He was cleared last week, but Gus said last week, I knew this, and then said to the ESPN crew on Friday that he barely had a day of practice. So While he was cleared medically, just from a standpoint of game prep, it was for Mikey Keene to play the game uh, in Memphis. I do think that Gus felt that there were things that John Rice Plumley could do that would cause problems for Tulane, and yet I think Gus could have won the football game with Mikey Keene. It, it, it is a little bit of a different offense to throw the ball a little bit more with Mikey, who's not as big of a run threat, but certainly has shown an ability of being able to throw the ball. But Plumley's run threat was something that Gus Malzon believed would be a problem for Tulane. Tulane had been very good against the run throughout the year, but had not played a quarterback like John Rice Plumley that could be a true run threat, and I think they saw that early. That 67-yard touchdown run, he absolutely outruns the entire secondary of Tulane. And I do think one of two reasons UCF won the game against Tulane uh, is speed. Um, and I think sometimes you have to out-athlete teams. Now, that's not a knock on Tulane, who no, I think is, is really good. And, and I still think it's worthy of being ranked as they are. And they could win at home against SMU and beat Cincinnati and get a rematch. They're, they got two linebackers that I think are going to play on Sunday. I think Michael Pratt is someone that's an interesting prospect for the NFL as well. Their quarterback, uh, Tajay Spears, their running back, is very good. But I think in some other areas, UCF um, had better athletes. And sometimes that's the difference in uh, in football games. But yet, this is one of these bizarre games if you're UCF in the sense that you get a lead. It's 24-7. to 7, You kind of feel like you've taken control of the game, and then you have something bizarre happens to you. Uh, and then, even though you're playing with the lead, Tulane feels like, hey, they're hanging around. They're down by 10 at the half, and uh, UCF gets the lead back to 17, and then Tulane begins to chip away. And yes, uh, sometimes championship seasons need championship drives. And you get those moments where, what are you going uh, to do? And uh, Gus Malzahn found himself in one of those situations in the fourth quarter, where UCF has a 31-24 lead after Tulane scored. Um, They don't convert a third down and one after three straight runs by Isaiah Bowser, and Gus has the offense on the field on fourth down. And Bowser's in whether you want to call it wildcat, wild night, and yes, lanes offside, but there is no flag thrown, and the ball is snapped, and maybe both center Matthew Lee and Isaiah Bowser think they've got a free play, and John Rice Plumley split out wide right is the option for Bowser to throw the ball to, and a player that had two pass interference calls earlier picks up a third because he does make contact, and the side judge has no choice but to throw a flag, and Jerry's Monroe of Uh, Tulane probably thought it was a run play, but it ends up being his third pass interference of the day. Tulane had one P.I. called in the first nine games, but it's 15 yards and extends a drive for UCF. They then convert three third downs afterwards. They still got to convert. They have a third and five, and Plumley hits Bowser for nine, falling backwards. Uh, They get a third and one, and Bowser runs for four. They get a third and five, and Plumley hits Johnny Richardson, a little swing pass for six. They got a third and three at the Tulane four, and Plumlee runs for three yards, and then Bowser scores from a yard out. It's 38-24. It's a 16-play, 75-yard drive, eight minutes and seven seconds. And while Tulane does come down and score, and it comes to an onside kick that Javon Baker recovers, uh, that drive is a type of drive that if UCF does get to where they want to go, you look back and go, that was a huge drive. Quickly, 10 o'clock hour, WYJ Orlando, WJR, RHD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando sports leader, Mark Daniels, and the beat of sports. Um, on the decision to go 4 fourth down, are you trying to draw him offside? There's a whole bunch of things going on there. You could snap it at Bowser. He can run. Um, he could be stopped, and momentum really shifts to Tulane. He could get it. But they snapped it, and he threw it. And only Gus Malzahn, with a happy smile after the game, uh, can tell you All the different options that were there, but he went for it. So it's a big win uh, for UCF. Plumlee was really good. He didn't throw for 330 yards. He didn't need to. He made some really big passes. A huge pass on 3rd and 12 to Kobe Hudson for 16. The touchdown to Javon Baker in the slant is a great throw. It's a great catch by Baker, the way he seals off the uh, defensive back. And um, the run threat of Plumlee was a problem for Tulane, who had really shut down most teams they were giving up less than 120 yards rushing in the game and UCF put 330 on the board um and you know UCF's defense missing three starters and three guys against a really good running team at positions you didn't want to lose them that's Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste their linebacker and then both their safeties and Quadric Bullard and Devon Wilson Quadric's out uh for a much longer period of time but uh, that's up the middle, and and they had guys step up and, and made some plays. Did enough things. Tajay Spears, a Tulane running back, he was hurt, didn't play much in the second half. Um, but you find a way to win, and UCF did. And a really good win for them, uh, and now they do control their destiny. With two games against Navy and South Florida, if they win, they host the championship game and might get a rematch with Tulane Cincinnati, who play next week uh, at Cincinnati. So it's a really good win for Gus Malzon's team. Uh, and I do think that Gus felt that, one, as he said, player doesn't lose a job over an injury. But I also think that Gus felt really strongly that Plumlee's running was going to be a problem for Tulane. Like I said to Mike, uh, Bianchi in the bridge. Um, and, and Gus, in his two years at UCF, where you listen more than just when he was a coach at Auburn, His type of offense does truly commit to being as balanced as possible, where you you talk about different tempos and and different spread offenses, and not everyone's the same. Josh Heupel runs a much different offense than what Gus runs. And uh, I mentioned to Mike, a bit. Mike Leach pretty much quits on the run. He he has no interest in that, where Gus believes in running. And Saturday was an example of that. Another part of it is because for UCF a guy like R.J. Harvey emerges – and not that Gus knows early in the game, but he doesn't use Bowser as much as he needs late, and Bowser's fresh. And 14 of his carries come in the fourth quarter. And he was a wrecking ball in that final drive, and UCF's offensive line does win that battle. Now Tulane forces four third downs on that drive, <laughs> um, but UCF's offensive line wins that battle, and Bowser, it's no secret who's getting the ball, and he still found yards and his numbers don't show you a guy averaging eight nine yards to carry but he wore down two lane on that drive and that's a nice luxury to have uh, for UCF so a really good win uh, for the Knights who again control their destiny in the American uh, Florida State as I wrote in my column the Monday notebook and 96 in the com, which I hope you'll click on and read it's very good the Seminoles have a chance to win 10 games and I don't know if a Florida State fan, even being very optimistic before the year, would have said, yeah. But now, and again, it's a 4-0 start, then it's three losses, and uh, now it's three wins, and you could say, okay, but who'd they beat?" I, listen, I, Georgia Tech, Miami, and Syracuse... Uh, One was undefeated, ranked in the top 15 a few weeks ago. I know Syracuse had a bunch of injuries, but they got the quarterback back, and he got annihilated by FSU's defense. He's given up 22 points in three games, an offense scoring more than 40 points a game. Jordan Travis was near perfect at 21 of 23, threw for three scores, caught a touchdown pass. And Florida State did to Syracuse what Florida State is supposed to do to Syracuse when the Seminoles are really good. No matter where the game is, we're going to come and beat you up. And they did. And now they get Louisiana a game they should win. They get Florida at home. And then a bowl game. And they got a chance to win 10. Uh, yeah. You should be real happy because of, and I, I mentioned this to Mike, the journey of a season and the end of the play matters. <laughs> you know, meaning how does it finish? And do you have yourself craving more? Because I think the same thing, in a way, is with Florida. Uh, they beat the Daylights out of South Carolina. And Anthony Richardson was good. Again, he, he, he's not ripping it up passing. But Florida won easily, ran the ball well, played well defensively, and here now Billy Napier's team, and again, the journey matters. Suddenly 6-4, and four, should be Vanderbilt, be 7-4, and four. Go to Florida State, who knows what happens there uh get to a bowl game and and would you take if you're Florida, even if they lose to Florida State in a one possession game? maybe it's not that but and finish eight and five with what looks to be a top ten recruiting class you'll feel good about the journey right again, you didn't have East division championship thoughts before the year, but If the year ends, he's got a top-ten recruiting class, and you look at the product and go, okay, it ain't finished, just like Florida State wasn't after year one or even year two, and some still wondered about year three, um, that's what you want. I mean, you want that sense of, okay, it's going in the right direction, look what happened in recruiting. And I think that's the case for both Florida State and Florida right now. With FSU having a chance to win ten games this year. Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to do the same thing in Miami at the moment. Who is five and five that played a freshman quarterback that, you know, made a couple of nice plays, let's not quickly conclude. And you want to talk about the fall, the fact that Miami fans have just basically abandoned Tyler van Dyke. The end of the season last year, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Not for 400 yards a game. He was the reason Miami was a top 15 team. It wasn't just the hiring of Mario Cristobal. And now it's like, yeah. And he may play someplace else next year. I, don't, I he, you you and Cam Miller
1: were like, oh yeah, he should be on like Heisman lists,
0: right? So the fall there, and, and you know Miami winning the way they did. Okay, but I, I'm not quite sure that one is going to end with the same vibe. Now Mario Cristobal will tell you, let me finish recruiting and he may get a top 10 class and that may make you feel better and again maybe they do win out and maybe they go 8-5 and and in 3 weeks we're going, hey, look so all those journeys matter and you'd rather be ascending than descending so that's the things you look uh to build on right I, again everybody can't go 13 and 0 but as i often say the journey of how i get to some place will matter you know i mean if you're a florida fan would you rather they have been 7 and 1 and finish 8 and 5 no i mean you'd like the team to show signs of uh getting better and as Mike and I talked, and Mike, who had Mike Ugandan on this morning of On3.com, talking about Anthony Richardson, I don't know what Anthony Richardson's going to decide. Uh, from being an armchair quarterback, there's, there's certainly talent there. I just don't think he's a very polished passer, which means he probably is better suited for another year of college football. But like we've said for the last several weeks, if the year ends and... The information he gets says, look, you'll be in the top 20 picks. That may be, you know, it's life-changing money that you can't turn down. Uh, that's for his he and his family to decide. And whatever the NIL money that he's making now, it might be enough to say, look, I, I, I want to be even better. And that would bode well for Florida if he comes back. Uh, so, again, where are you towards the end of the season? And I think for both Florida and Florida State, you would feel good now. Florida may lose by four touchdowns at Florida State, and people hate everybody uh, the following uh, Monday. Uh, tonight, a couple of basketball games. Uh, UCF is in action after their win against Florida State on Friday. The Knights get back in action against Weston, Illinois. What I've covered at 6.30, tip at 7, the Magic take on uh, Steve Clifford, Charlotte Hornets. They're coming back to get a little more of what they have tasted earlier this year. And we'll have coverage of that on 104.5, the beat beginning at 6.30, tip set for just after Uh, 7 o'clock. And a reminder, UCF football game on Saturday kicks off at 11 a.m. 11 a.m. They don't pick the start time. ESPN picks the start time. Why 11 a.m.? Because late in the season they wanted to add another national TV window. And they did. By moving a game up to 11, allowing for ESPN2 to have four windows to air games instead of the typical three. And the other options were and had UCF lost to Tulane, uh, that game I think would have been either at four seven thirty on ESPN New or uh, News or you. Um, you have a chance for a bigger audience on ESPN two. You don't have a chance for anybody to watch you on ESPN News or you. It's it's <laughs> because your channel's stuck. Typically, is why you get any type of audience uh, there. So that's why that game is at eleven a.m. on Saturday. UCF had nothing to do with it. Out of their control. And by now, a fan should know, you don't pick the start time, TV picks the start time. When we come back, the National College football picture, the playoff gets a little bit of an adjustment as far as teams that really are in the hunt, and it still could be pretty dramatic the next couple of weeks. Or maybe not. We'll explain Next.
2: Now your chance to win one thousand dollars. Just enter this nationwide keyword on our website. Dollar. That's dollar. Enter it now. Enter at 96.9thegame.com.
0: Let's talk about Scott Simpson and his team at F where you don't have to wait uh till Black Friday to get great deals right now. You can enjoy Black Friday's specials exclusive rebates available now at Southeast Hill Appliance Warehouse. Uh, upgrade now to GE Appliances. Get up to $800 on rebates on select appliances. Learn more at southeastill.net. Visit him in downtown Orlando, Southeast Hill, where you get the best deal. Uh, the interesting stuff on a national level of college football, Oregon, was the darling of a lot of people, where last week it was justifying, okay, I know they lost to Georgia, but take a look at the body of work now, and if they went out, are they playoff worthy? Should they get in over an unbeaten TCU team uh, there was that debate. All TCU did was go to Austin, and they didn't beat a powerhouse in Texas, but they gave Texas their fourth loss, which is funny. Texas is favored by a touchdown. TCU goes there and wins, and afterwards, some of the great talking cats are like, well, Texas is four losses. Well, which one is it? Did they beat a good team, or is it, well, they didn't because Texas is four losses. Here's the deal, though. TCU wins, and they're 10-0. and 0. Oregon lost against what is a improving Washington football team, and the Ducks fall into the national championship picture. Tennessee is piling on touchdowns against Missouri, and people to criticize some are criticizing Josh Heupel, feeling like that wasn't necessary. Uh, is he trying to get Hendon Hooker Heisman votes? Uh, maybe uh, is he trying to pad a resume? Maybe. Let me tell you something about Heisman voters. Scott, can I speak for Heisman voters as a Heisman voter? But how did you end up with your ballot? You know, at what point does that not matter? It, it just does. Bianchi gave me Celio's ballot. Anyway, a lot of Heisman voters don't watch games. Remember, it's not just idiots like me and other guys, the media. But it's a lot of former players... Uh, coaches that aren't watching football nonstop, so they'll look at stats at the end of the year. I mean, I don't know what the percentage is these days, but there's probably still double digit percentage of Heisman voters that look at the ballot and stats for the first time the day the ballot's due. So when somebody looks up and goes, All right, let me, you know, Google or have somebody Google it for me about Heisman candidates and they'll look at numbers, that's how Hendon Hooker's going to jump out, and he should be a Heisman candidate. So, if Josh's padding stats will be, and then the resume for Tennessee. I, again, they're not going to the SEC title game, and all this may be a benefit to them. This is what you often see in the SEC: the the, the second team that is an overwhelming, I wouldn't say favorite, but the second team that could get in from the conference is usually that team, like Tennessee. They lost the big game, in this case the Georgia. They're not going to the conference championship game, so they not they don't get that thirteenth at a point, but they benefit by not losing. The resume is with a couple of games left here that they should win. Hey, here we are eleven and one. We didn't play the extra game where the second loss could really hurt us in the discussion. So Tennessee benefits by taking Oregon out of the discussion. LSU now plays Georgia in the title game. They're the ones that are going to make it interesting for the committee, in the sense of what happens if and the assumption is that LSU beats Texas a And a beats UAB in Texas a And M, and they're ten and two, and then they beat Georgia, and they're sitting at eleven and two with an SEC championship and a win over Georgia, which Tennessee lost to. That's an interesting argument about Tennessee versus. LSU Uh, USC you can consider still in the mix because of Oregon's loss and USC now controls their path to uh, win the Pac-12 but there's still the unknowns of the Ohio State-Michigan game what if they play a phenomenal football game what if they play a a 31-30 game is it possible that the loser of that game wouldn't fall out? Um, I don't know. That's why we're playing all this stuff. The The criticism of putting resumes up is while Michigan is 10-0 and and rolling through the season, right now the only team on Michigan's schedule that sits inside the top 25 that they played is Penn State. Uh, Illinois remains ranked. If Michigan is to beat them, then they won't be ranked. And then the year they end against Ohio State. Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, as nice as Yukon story is, but Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn make up the non-conference schedule for Michigan. Remember we brought the point up that if Oregon had played Portland State or Hawaii, as some are suggesting, instead of Georgia, and they were undefeated, they would have been ranked two or three, but they lost this past week uh, to Washington. Michigan hasn't been hurt by its non-conference schedule. Uh, And if they beat Ohio State, assuming that they beat Illinois this week, then they're going to be in the playoff if they win the conference championship game. So there's still a lot of interesting scenarios to play itself out on a national level. Uh, Clemson, you can make the argument, is still in this thing. They'll play North Carolina in the ACC uh, title game. So the beauty of the system with two regular season Games left, and then conference championship games, a whole bunch of scenarios. And yes, if we had the 12-team play this year, and we don't, there are still so many games that would be up for grabs. I mean, uh, so many uh, at-large spots up for grabs with these remaining games where you could look at a number of conferences where you've got some great races going on, such as the Pac-12, Uh, The Big 12 for the second spot, TCU's clinch a spot in the Big 12's uh, title game. And a whole bunch of other conferences where you would have two lost teams that would still be fighting to get in to a 12-team playoff. But the assumption, I think that many would say, is that with Kentucky and Georgia Tech on Georgia's schedule, And assuming that Georgia wins at Kentucky, once 4-0 in the top 10, now 6-4 and possibly a 6-6 finish with games against Georgia and then Louisville. But a 12-0 Georgia team doesn't need to win the SEC title game. The only thing I'm going to... And I get it. The body of work would be, well, hang on a second. That would mean that Georgia beat blank. Okay, Just follow me for a second. Yes, the Oregon win is a great win. The Tennessee win is a great win. If they lose to LSU by double digits, I'm just saying, for those that just assume it doesn't matter, that's where the resume and quality of opponents and all that stuff, my assumption is the committee would still favor Georgia, a 12 and 1 Georgia team if it lost to LSU. But I do wonder, is there a number in the outcome of that game that would make it uncomfortable? You'd say, well, okay, they're 12 and one LSU would be eleven and two. You can't possibly, and I would say, I can't? Well no, I mean they have one loss versus LSU's two losses. Okay. But I could start the resume comparison. Yeah, but LSU lost to Tennessee by 27. They did. Beat Ole Miss by 25. Beat Alabama. And if they beat Georgia. I'm just saying Georgia shouldn't lose. And they may not lose to LSU. But but I wouldn't lose by double digits. Uh, And then just assume. Because what we don't know is, again, all these other scenarios. And that's the fun part about it. I don't know. Again, the Ohio State-Michigan winner, they lose in the Big Ten championship. They'll be favored, but that's why we play these games, man. We come back the day in the National Football League. I don't care how you want to view it. And I'm sure the guy on after us will tell you that it's got nothing to do with the quarterback. But at some point, and maybe it is that point, the Miami Dolphins are as good as anybody else in the AFC right now. And could make a claim that they could win the conference. And before you go, wait, wait, wait! I don't know how you do that. The games matter. We'll explain that in the rest of the NFL Sunday next.
2: FM ninety six nine. Come on. The game.
0: Hey, uh, maybe some of you uh, have suffered some damage of Hurricane Nicole that came through. And our friends at Gold Key Roofing are there to help you. They're helping me now because my roof suffered damage from it. What a world, man. You can just become a social media influencer and start selling millions of records, man. He's your guy. What's not to like about young gravy? He literally included Jerry Stackhouse. Listen, those of us that go back when he was baby gravy, you know? I mean, Someday it's going to be old gravy, but right now we're enjoying the prime. Was there a little in, in, in between there, too? I'm sure at some point. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Um, you put up 491 yards and you go, ah, yeah, but, you know, the Browns are this. Dolphins had 29 first downs, passed for 296, they ran for 195, um, they beat the Browns 39-17. Tua throws for 285 and three touchdowns, wasn't sacked. Uh, Jeff Wilson ran for 119 yards. 17 carries. Jalen Waddell caught four passes. Tyreek Hill caught five. He had a touchdown. Uh, and the Dolphins beat the Browns. And up 17-7 seven of the half. And they win 39-17. Miami is now 7-3. and three. And the difference of a couple of weeks, the Dolphins, who have won four in a row, and as I mentioned earlier about college football, in the National Football League, it is the same thing. It's, it's, it it's isn't necessarily, tell me this, uh, uh, the, the number, the record at the end, just tell me about the journey and how it, it happened. So, so the Dolphins get off to the start, and then they lose their quarterback. We all go through a couple of weeks of being Uh, head specialist, and then kind of hold our collective breath when Tua comes back and plays, and all of a sudden the Dolphins have won four in a row, and the numbers are no longer a small sample size. They become enough of a sample size to measure against everybody else. And if you're still in the group that says he's not a good quarterback Uh, he just is doing it because they brought in Tyreek Hill, then you're just being ignorant to the performance. And I, 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 I saw even before, and then some people even after, well, but you go back to the Buffalo game, and you go back to the game against the Steelers, and for every one of those, you can counter with, here's this half, here's this game, here's this performance. And absolutely, two is better because... His head coach is an offensive person. Not that you can't be successful as a defensive coach in the National Football League, but for what he needed, uh, a head coach with an offensive background that certainly mentally believed in Atua uh, uh, weapons, which we've talked about. And it's amazing, that what happens. And you can't sit and play that game and go, well, the great ones do it without the weapons and you just sound stupid because you can give me the Tom Brady years and even though the running backs the wide receivers may not have been all, all pro players usually that offensive line was among the best in the National Football League but despite the win yesterday Aaron Rodgers has struggled this year because blank weapons right? Tom Brady has had Drop balls, guys out with injuries, an offensive line banged up. It's not the same, even though he was better uh, yesterday. But at some point, you have to at least recognize that that guy at quarterback for Miami this season on the sample size of what now is more than a half season has played among the best of anybody at the position this year. Yeah, but he's small, he throws the ball... I, Fine, go go cling to those things. But at some point, you at least have to recognize the production. And two weeks has shown the following. Josh Allen's not healthy, and it doesn't look like he's going to be healthy. He may try to play through something that requires a surgery at the end of the season, but... Despite a game that Buffalo still should have won yesterday and give Minnesota credit for their rally in what was one of the best games of the year. And that Justin Jefferson catch is unbelievable considering the moment of the game. And then Allen fumbles and, I mean, Buffalo wins that game. Uh, But now look what happens. The Dolphins are seven and three in first place. The Jets and the Bills are six and three. The Patriots are five and four. And now Buffalo, from being a favorite in the eyes of many to win the AFC, are in the fight of their in within season perspective, are their lives for a wild card spot. Now the Dolphins aren't guaranteed anything in what becomes a fun division, but all bets are off on on, on well. The Bills are going to be fine based on what. Uh, the Chiefs are 7-2, and two, so if you go, yeah, but the Dolphins... But what? They're now right there. And here's Miami's schedule. The Texans at home, and then what becomes the season, okay? This three-game road trip of at San Francisco, at the Chargers, and at the Bills, and then the Packers and Patriots and Jets. They'll have earned it, and... They may end up going 10 and 7, but they are 7 and 3. And the quarterback is a big factor in Miami's success. And in two weeks, the Bills have taken a step back, and all of a sudden, they look vulnerable with a quarterback that is not healthy. Um, the rest of the day, and again, that Vikings Bulls game was unbelievable. And to some degree, Best catch ever, I don't, you know, that's like a fun debate. But for what's on the line, that now I said on the line, it's not a playoff game. It's not make a break for the Vikings. But it's not David ro- Tyree. No, no, I get no, no, it. No, 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 no. But 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 on the road in what could be a game that determines home field advantage for the Vikings, um, that that catches that catches insane. That's unbelievable! That catch, and Kirk Cousins thirty of fifty three fifty seven. He was picked off twice, but Dalvin Cook had a good game, and man, Justin Jefferson ten for one ninety three. I mean, Stephon Dix caught twelve balls. Gabe Davis had a great game. I mean, Josh Allen wasn't bad. He was twenty nine for forty three for three thirty, but he threw the two picks and that costly fumble. That was a fun game, and the Vikings are sitting there um, at eight and one. So the Bucks beat the Seahawks twenty one sixteen uh some impressive drives tom brady 22 29 258 interesting again if brady's not throwing it 50 times that bodes well for the bucks uh you get 161 yards on the ground and a little bit more like a tom brady offense and the bucks get to 5 and 5 and again you go back and take a look at the benefit the Bucks have of the division that they're in and despite the struggles in the previous weeks back-to-back wins the Bucs now are game up on uh, the Falcons and then there's the Panthers and the Saints and yes that division is going to help the Bucs a game a greater margin for mistake and now they go to Cleveland and get the Saints at home before they play out in San Francisco but they're in a much better spot now than they were uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'll get back to the scene of that game in a moment. Uh, some of the other nuggets of yesterday, uh, the Chiefs beat the Jags because the Chiefs are supposed to beat the Jags, and the Jags are the Jags. And the Jags are 3-7, and, and the Chiefs are 7-2. and two. Not much else I can take out of that. I mean, I can go on and on about the Giants, but you don't want me to do that, right? I mean, you, Scott, they beat a solid one seven and one Texans team. Look, they've won. You I, are I, in I, position I, to be a playoff I, team. I cannot complain. You are in a team. position to I, sign, uh to sign Daniel Dimes. Thirteen of seventeen for one ninety-seven, two touchdowns, no picks, to a long-term Sacked deal. Three times, and, and actually at least one and maybe two of the sacks. It was the right play, uh, meaning to take the sacks. Saquon I, Barkley ran for one fifty-two.
1: If I'm Daniel Dimes, I walk in to the. Uh, General Manager's Office, with Russell Wilson's contract as the template.
0: Stop it. Isaiah Hodgkins, yes, I looked up. Six-round picket of Oregon State. Um, Tanner Hudson, yes, I looked up. Southern Arkansas. <laughs> and, and Mark, who the hell are these guys catching balls? Good day for Kenny Galladay, though. Two targets, no catches.
1: And, 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 o, and OBJ's going to be there soon. I
0: don't know about that. Um... And Because uh, that's what the locker room needs. I'll give the Jeff Saturday in a second. The Packers-Cowboys game. It's a fun game to watch as a fan. The Cowboys with some big mistakes. The fourth down, a call by Mike McCarthy. It's an interesting one. The punt. Uh, it's Aaron Rodgers. But must game for the Packers if they're going to salvage anything for the season. It's a tough loss for the Cowboys after being up two scores. And Dallas now... I mean the Cowboys are third in the NFC East. The Cowboys certainly can still make the playoffs, but that's a it's a, a tough loss there. Uh, and yes, the Colts beat the Raiders. And I love how Jeff Saturday's tweet as an analyst about the Raiders looked yeah. terrible. We're going to come back and bite him there. But and Derek Carr, yes, looked like. He was crying, begging to be rescued.
1: No, you, you made it sound like he was like, the hostage.
0: He had to look. If you look at that post game video, it looks like people off the side of Rifles going, to say the following. Um, and the Colts win. I know Mike talked about this on his show. And I, I said this about Jeff Saturday last week. Is it bizarre what the Colts did? Of course it is. Was Jeff Saturday wrong to say yes? No. I, he played a number of years. I'm aware of Bill Cowher's comments that he made that got a a, a big viral following. I didn't watch the CBS pregame show because I don't watch NFL pregame shows. Um, And I believe Bill Cowher was speaking with the emotion of not just a guy that Earned it, you know, when you work your way up as an assistant and you become a coordinator and then you get a chance to be a head coach. Um, yes, he speaks from experience, even though he got a head coaching job at Young Gage. I do think Bill Coward spoke to a lot of guys across the National Football League that are position coaches and coordinators that didn't like how Jeff Saturday got the job. It's not a personal shot at him, but didn't like it because it, you're supposed to do the grind. And my response to that is, you're supposed to do the grind because that's the way you came up, but that doesn't always happen in every industry, not just being a head coach of the National Football League. There are many of you right now that whatever profession you have, whatever career you're in, could probably think of a number of examples of somebody that you would look at and go, well, what did this person do to get this job? And it's not that you dislike the individual, you're just like, "Oh, but because he or she knows so and so, that's how they got this job, or that's why they got that race. Life's not fair, and there is no exact way of doing it. There's no exact way of doing it, even in, in even in this profession, okay? I mean, sure, I went to college and got a degree in journalism. You know what happens today? Somebody sits in front of a computer and develops content that people have an interest in, and and you know what? They skip the line. They skip the line. They didn't get the degree and earn their way up and get internships and do all sorts of things and stuff like that. They sometimes skip the line, partly because of talent, sometimes because of luck. Well, it's not supposed to be to get a head coaching job in the NFL. Look at industries, man, okay? It happens. Now, most hirings don't get the coverage like, What happened with Jeff Saturday? And by the way, he may lose the remaining games as a head coach. I don't know. Uh, To say he did nothing in the game would be unfair. And if you don't like the system, then wake up. What do you mean wake up? Because it's not always going to happen the way you think it should happen. Sometimes you don't earn what you think you get. What do you mean I work hard and so forth? Yeah, no one says that. But... Life ain't fair. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy the Colts winning and having people that were sickened by it. Which, by the way, let me go back and say this. I I brought it with Mike, and I've said it before. If you're one of those coaches, whether you are the one that did the grind or you're a minority that says, this is why it bothers me that I can't get head coaching jobs, I wouldn't argue. You're right. You live it. And life's not fair. But... You can give me the whole list of buts. Life's not fair. Erse owns the club. He gets to pick with the head coaches. Well, it should go through a process. That's, that's, that's a but. And life's not fair. He didn't earn it. Okay. Now give me three examples of something else that wasn't earned by somebody. And that happens in life, man. And... Jeff Saturday may not be the coach of the Colts next year. Um, I do think it's unfair to say that he doesn't understand. The the, the dude played 16 seasons. You don't don't fail to pick up uh, stuff to play. So to tell me that the guy that's done the grind for, say, five years as an assistant coach is better equipped than Jeff Saturday, who played 16 years, I might argue that one. You know. Again, the Colts have two guys on their uh, staff that have been head coaches, and Gus Bradley and John Fox. Should they have been named the interim coach? I you can make the arguments, fine. I don't own the team. The guy that owns the team gets to pick that.
1: Well, we also learned this week that he's been like with the coaching staff for like the last two years. Well, but he's been a as like an analyst. Okay. Like it's I mean, some like
0: Zoom calls and things but like but that. Still, but
1: still he's still like a part of
0: organization. I, again if you want to argue that, hey, it's not the normal path, it's fine. But to tell me that he's not qualified to say because he hasn't been a position coach or an analyst and then earn your way up, then then you, you're insulting his career. Again, you you, you got to give him the benefit that over the years of playing in the National Football League, he has an idea about the game, right? 11 o'clock hour kicks off with Scott in the News next.
2: 96.9 The Game, FM, HD, online at 96.9thegame.com, on your phone with the iHeartRadio app, and on hundreds of devices like Alexa, Google Home, Xbox, and Sonos, and iHeartRadio station. It's going on.
1: Yeah. Time now for another edition of the news. I'm Scott Harris. That is Heisman Voter. Mark Daniels, right know over that. there. By
0: you know the way, I did yesterday. What's that? Updated my Heisman Excel spreadsheet. Wow! And once as many as forty-seven names. Okay. Uh, now still had uh, twenty-three. Okay. Where I update a note, mm-hmm. you know, do a little ranking each week, and I take my ballot serious. By the way, did I not bring you a gift today? You did. Yes, thank you. My appreciation for you mm. produce... I mean, you're going to get paid, but... Um, <laughs> I thought that was payment.
1: What do I bring you? You you brought me a pack of frosty nerds. These are holiday-themed nerds. What's not to like? Exactly. What do you think I've been munching on during the commercial breaks? Just saying. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you heard this uh, before we went on the air on Saturday. You know who's excited to be a newshead? Uh... Gary Paris. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Loves being a news head.
0: Well, okay. He Uh, is. Well, Mm -hmm. he's a nice guy.
1: He's a very nice guy, yeah. Uh, Before I get into the news, quick question for you, quick college football question. If your football team isn't doing well, how does firing the AD fix that?
0: Because the new AD can come in and hire the new coach. Got it. So West Virginia's fired their athletic director this morning. So that means the coaches. Is... Well, Neil Brown, uh, they just beat Oklahoma. who dropped to five and five. <laughs> West Virginia's four and six. But you typically will let the new AD hire the football coach. Mm-hmm. So, but not to get too far off the topic here, as Pete Thamel was reporting, it's a seventeen million buyout for Neil Brown if you fire him as a coach. West Virginia's had some financial challenges in their athletic department. And you talk about buyouts and schools paying twenty, thirty million dollars in the SEC it's one thing. Not that I mean West Virginia's in a power five league, but it's a little bit more of a challenge there. If you're gonna fire somebody, give them seventeen million bucks and bring in a new coach and pay that staff, and one of the big issues that led to the AD getting firing was, they say, a lack of generating new revenue. West Virginia is a little financially challenged, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Do you gamble by going, we've got to pay more to get a big name in here to get it going again? So that's an interesting story. But, yes, they fired their AD, and many believe that Neil Brown's going to get fired as well.
1: He's just packing up his office now, just getting it over with before Herman pays him a visit. Who?
0: Brown? Yeah. Well, but he feels good to just beat <laughs> Oklahoma. To say, yeah. I mean, you go, well, big deal. Well, it's a big deal for West Virginia to beat Oklahoma. Danny Times threw two
1: touchdown passes. Saquon Barkley ran for 152 yards and a touchdown. And the Giants returned from their bye week to have a statement win against the Houston Texans 24 16. They're not your
0: typical 1 7 and 1 team. I mean, that's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't care. It's a win. I just don't care. I don't care how they win. Uh, never blow anybody out. Just keep on winning.
1: Tom Brady stayed undefeated abroad by throwing two touchdown passes to help the Buccaneers beat the Seahawks 21-16 in the first regular season game played in Germany. Brady connected with Julio Jones and Chris Godwin on scoring passes, and Leonard Fournette ran one in as the Bucs improved to five hundred and snapped Seattle's four-game winning streak.
0: Back in first place in the weak uh, NFC South, Uh, So quickly, on this game in Germany, at Alliance Stadium, Mm -hmm. uh, over Mm 60,000, packed, uh, sold the tickets out quickly, um, really embraced this game there in Germany. I think some people have seen the clips that have gone viral online, singing Take Me Home Country Rose. It was pretty awesome. uh, And Sweet Caroline. And games in London, the American football fan has been accustomed to that for a number of years. This game in Germany was really important to the National Football League on a business level, Uh, and it went over incredibly well. And I think the NFL continues to study the European market. And again, I don't know if in the next decade, and maybe it will be 20 years, I think the league is going to continue to look at what it means to have either a European division or a team or two teams in Europe because of the money that's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's happening in the next decade under the new TV deal, but the league knows the value of international rights continues to skyrocket, and that was an important game for them in Germany, and it went over really, really well.
1: How long until there is a nine thirty game every single week?
0: Well, well it's got to be an international game. You're not kicking off that's a 9-30 I mean. game. That's... Well, I think the league has shown you multiple games being played In England, And now the thought of being able to play multiple games in Germany, and and there may be another city or two the league is keeping an eye on, I don't know about every week, but I think they're going to keep increasing the value of that 930 slot. Betters love it. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next, say, three to five years, the number of games at 930, meaning international games, if it moves towards six, eight games a year. But you got to well, tongue- gotta make it worthwhile for teams to give up the home game. Yeah.
1: So. Tua to Tunga Viola maintained his scorching form since his return from a concussion, throwing three touchdown passes as the Dolphins beat the Browns 39 to 17. Since returning in week seven, Tunga has 10 touchdown passes and zero interceptions. Miami moved into first place alone in the AFC East, overtaking Buffalo, which lost in overtime to Minnesota and dropped into a tie with the Jets in the division.
0: Again, Dolphins are 7-3, second-best record uh, in uh, the AFC, and if you still want to be in the two-a-hate group, then you're just finding reasons to stay there.
1: Number one, Georgia led an unchanged top five in the AP college football poll. Well, the rest of the top 25 was shuffled after eight ranked teams lost, including two big upsets in the Pac-12 for the second straight week. The Bulldogs received all but one of the 63 first place votes. Number two, Ohio State received the other one. Number three, Michigan and number four, TCU and number five, Tennessee, all held their spots after victories with the Horned Frogs facing uh, being the only one to face a real challenge. UCF climbed up
0: to number 17 in the top 25. Palo questionable tonight.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, everybody else remains out. Cole Anthony, Gary Harris, of course, Mark Fultz, and Jonathan Isaac. But uh, Palo questionable tonight.
1: Got it. Magic and... Uh, can we call it, is it, is it revenge game, statement game, video tribute tonight? We to beat these
0: guys once. They're coming back to get more.
1: I know. But you still do the video tribute, right? No. You don't? No. Oh. We're looking for a third straight W here. Shea Gildas-Alexander scored 37 points. Josh Giddy had a triple-double, and the Thunder shot a season-high 62% from the field and a 145-135 victory over the Knicks. Josh Giddy had 24 points, 12 assists, and 10 rebounds for the Thunder, who picked up their fifth straight victory at MSG. Giddy
0: joined a 79-73 halftime score.
1: How about that, yeah. Yeah. Uh Giddy joined Will Chamberlain is the only other player in NBA history to record triple doubles during their first two games at Madison Square
0: Garden. The Thunder shot sixty-three percent. I just game.
1: said that. Yeah,
0: solid defense by the Knicks here. Um yeah. wow. just uh just brutal. How about um how about the box on Joel Embiid? Mm-hmm. Holy smokes, was that something. He's really good at basketball. 59 points. And then went over the Jazz last night. He plays uh, 37 minutes. He goes for 59, 11, 8, and 7 blocks. He was 20 of 24 at the free throw line and 19 of 28 uh, from the floor. He scored, what was it, 25 or the 27 points in the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah. He's really good at basketball. I'm, I don't know if you're realizing this.
0: And a quality PJ Tucker performance, and that's not a criticism. Thirty minutes, no points, no shots, plus thirteen.
1: <laughs> that's it on the news. Be sure to like rate like, rate, review, and subscribe. Go there and leave us a five star rating. This is a five star segment. Shout out to all of the news heads out there. You are what make this segment possible every single weekday.
0: Uh, we'll do a bridge playback coming up in about uh, 25 minutes or so that we do on Mondays that uh, Mike and I talked about earlier. A reminder tonight, the Magic and the Hornets will be on 104.5. The Beat, pregame at 6.30, tip at 7. You see a basketball tonight against Western Illinois, the Leathernecks. Yeah. Uh, what
1: kind of snacks you got today? Grapes?
0: What kind of snacks do I have? Yeah. Uh, be my typical... Uh, Turkey wrap and um uh, what's my sign? Oh a, a few Cape Cod chips. Mm. You like the Cape Cod chip? Eh. Yeah. Eh. You're not the, the big Cape Cod guy? Not really, no. Hmm. And I'm not
1: anti, I just, just... It's
0: your favorite chip.
1: Right now I've been on a big sour cream and
0: onion kick. Really? Yeah. What uh what brand?
1: Uh Lay's actually the I've I've been eating some prings too. Okay, you know my you know my problem with the Pringles though.
0: Hand gets stuck. You can pour out of the can. Yeah, but then you You know my problem with the big bag. One, it's eighty percent air, and mm -hmm. two, then the eighty percent is broke.
1: Yeah, well, that's the problem with tipping the Pringles over. You tip them over, that's where the broken Pringles are.
0: Hmm. All right, Uh, Pringle talk here. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, you know what um, I, I, I had when I. I saw somebody again at the game on Saturday, a ton of UCF fans. It's got a c- couple of people come by and tell me their memories of their snack bar at the bowling alley.
2: Yes! Ball.
0: Yeah. Which I think is inspiring a new segment of the show that I'll tell you about. Uh, done? Yeah. It's going to be called Picture This. Uh-huh. And then I will just give you something and everybody can play the visual mm-hmm. of how it relates to them. And I've got a good one for this week, whenever we do this. Got it. I'll figure out when we do this. So, anyway. Uh, come back. More to be a sports next.
2: Now. now, your chance to win $1,000. Just enter this nationwide keyword on our website. Credit. That's credit. Enter it now. Enter at 969thegame.com.
0: If you need a range, refrigerator, or dishwasher. Cominia Sports, we're brought to you by our friends the Orlando Touchdown Club. No meeting tonight, but next Monday back. And uh, Andrew Adelson of the SPN's going to be our guest speaker. Andrew's awesome one, in covering college football, and two, as a speaker. We'll talk with her later this week in advance of that, but uh, you can join us for that meeting on Monday. Go to OrlandoTDClub.com and uh, you can find out how you can still make our final three meetings for the uh, football season and everything else that uh, the Touchdown Club is a part of. We're at the Taproom at Dubstread. Uh, Next Monday will be our next meeting of the Orlando uh, Touchdown Club. Um, There's a Horrific story that is developing uh, this morning. Uh, A former Virginia football player um, who is now in custody has uh, been involved as a shooter in which we have players on the Virginia football team that uh, have been killed. Uh, Three people dead, two others wounded, the shooting happened on Sunday night on the Virginia campus. Uh, this morning, police were still in search of former player Chris Jones, who now is in custody. Jones' last play in the 2018 team. And, um, again, he's been arrested, and there are former players or, or players on the Virginia team that have been killed in this shooting that has taken place. Uh, and Virginia. So just a horrible story and more details still emerging uh, there. No easy transition to something else. Scott, we are less than a week away of something that people had wondered how it would go over both across the globe and in our state. The World Cup begins in now less than a week. Yeah, I was wondering how beer would be sold at the World Cup. Do you see that story? It will be sold
1: uh, hidden? Yes. Yeah, Budweiser has spent seventy-five million dollars to be a part of the World Cup, and now is being told
0: you are going to have to hide all of this. Now, yeah, according to the story in the New York Times, the Qatari government notified Budweiser that it must be hidden. There can be no public display of beer. If you are, I don't know what that contract is. That I am mm. curious what that story is going to develop into. Because I'm just going to guess Budweiser's done a few of these corporate sponsorship deals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody reads the fine print and goes, okay, uh, where are we selling, how are we selling, what kind of signage and all sorts of stuff. I would have thought this is probably in the agreement. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the story there. But here we are, Scott, where outside the United States, and you know, the the – soccer calendar has now shut down. We had matches played yesterday Mm -hmm. in the top European leagues, Premier League and so forth. (laughs) Arsenal. Um, And now that's it. So players that are in the World Cup are headed off, and the World Cup begins on Sunday. The U.S. in a week will play their first match against Wales. And this is unique to have a World Cup as late in the calendar as it is in a country somewhat controversial how they got it and here we are in the United States and Scott I'm really over the last couple of years you kind of wondered what our reaction is going to be and it's going to be predicated on how the US plays they are about to enter into the World Cup in the middle of the NFL season mm-hmm. on the backside of a college football season and a very busy sports calendar and again the US plays all three of their group Matches at two o'clock Eastern Time. Perfect time slot. So from a standpoint of interest, it's not like you gotta get up at five AM to watch a match. Uh, their match against England will be next Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. So if the Americans are to win their first match a week from today, you would think that's gonna draw well. And again, if they get out of group play, then interest will rise as we get into December. Uh, but I think a lot of people are very curious what the interest is going to be in peak American football season where traditionally we've had the World Cup in July and into August, and now here we are into late November and December as the world's biggest sporting event uh, begins. And it's new for them. Again, this is not a typical time for the World Cup. So um, if the American's successful, then there'll be more interest.
1: You made a prediction about the World Series right before it happened, uh, ratings-wise. yeah. Uh, we, we've done this before. We've made predictions. How do you think this World
0: Cup will go ratings-wise? How do the Americans play? <laughs> if the Americans win Monday, mm-hmm. I think Friday's audience is going to be really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the college football lineup on Friday is okay. It's not, holy smokes, look who's playing. Yeah. And I think U.S. England on Friday, I don't know what I would guess that audience to be. um, It'll it'll do ten million.
1: But I'm asking the tournament as a whole, up or down.
0: I think we'll struggle in this country. Yeah, I mean the U.S. has to go uh, uh, Mm. uh, into the round of sixteen, get to the round of eight. If you're talking about holy smokes, but if if seeding or favorites hold form, it's going to be a tough draw. Just because of everything else on our calendar going on, you have a greater chance of getting a casual audience in the months of July and August than you do. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not quite sure it's going to get massive numbers. I hope, but I'm not sure. Yeah. And again, if the U.S. bows out and doesn't get past group play, then it'll really struggle. Even though there are some great names and great storylines that um are going on but i think they'll struggle if the u.s gets into the round of 16 against the quarterfinals then yeah then i think you got a chance to pick up a more casual fans and get the fever of that and remember as i've said for many many years the last sport that the americans are true underdogs that could rally a country at a level that the olympics used to give us is the world cup there's nothing else in basketball we're overwhelming favorites um, in the Olympics, the majority of sports, you don't get the same type of uh, patriotism. But a, a U.S. team in the World Cup making a quarterfinal and semifinal is to me the last thing that could rally a country from a sports standpoint to go, I don't follow this much, but man, I'm all in and I like to be uh, a part of that uh, excitement. A little bitch playback from something Mike and I discussed. We come back on the Monday edition of the Beat of Sports next.
2: Facebook.com slash 96.9 The Game.
1: What if there was a place where you could listen to all the radio stations, music, and podcasts you love?
0: And what if that place was free?
1: Well, we couldn't find it, so we made it. Download our...
0: ...is in custody uh, from a shooting that took place uh, yesterday, apparently... Buses are bringing students back from, I guess, a play. Uh, three, three Virginia football players in Deshaun Perry, Labelle Davis Jr., and Devin Chandler were killed. Two others wounded, one in critical condition, one in good condition, according to University of uh, Virginia President Jim Ryan. And again, the shooter is uh, in custody. But just a horrific story uh, coming out of Charlottesville. Uh, but the shooter has been uh, arrested. So, just a terrible, terrible story um, as more details uh, come out. Um, again, no easy transition. Earlier today, Mike and I on the bridge discussing a variety of things, the football weekend like we do on Monday. So, always like to take something from the bridge and play it back for you, our little bridge playback. Here's Mike and I on UCS Big Weekend in New Orleans. I just don't think Gus Malzon gets enough credit. I mean, he obviously saw something
1: in that Tulane defense that, A, made him want to start John Rice Plumley because he knew they were vulnerable on the ground and then, B, the way he just kept pounding that Tulane defense with R.J. Harvey and then Isaiah Bowser.
0: Well, uh, let's see. A couple things to tackle there. Um, as far as Gus and his offense, um, I think, Mike, you've seen enough college football. There are different types of spread and tempo offenses. Yeah, I mean, they really are. Josh Heupel runs a different offense than what Gus Malzahn runs. Um, even though some of the Mike Leach principles are in what Gus runs, I mean, uh, 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 what Heupel runs, it's still different as well. Gus has been very consistent over his years that he wants to have balance and run the football. Yeah. It's not that Heupel abandons the run. Mike Leach absolutely abandons the run. But Gus believes you need balance, and in his years in the SEC, he, he believed if you couldn't run, you couldn't win titles. And I think you could make an argument that he was right. So Gus runs a type of offense where he wants a running game, but can also spread you out so that his players that can get in space can then beat you, which kind of brings us to Saturday. And Mike, in full disclosure, I learned that John Rice Plumley was going to start a quarterback after we landed in New Orleans. I did not mm-hmm. know on Friday, I had respect to Gus, but then I get a chance to talk to him Friday. He meets with the ESPN TV crew, and that's the first time I learned it. I was not and telling anybody, but I knew about it. And Gus probably, this is now me guessing, felt that a healthy John Rice Plumley was going to be a weapon that Tulane had to account for other than just the quarterback throwing the ball. I truly believe that Gus Malzahn felt if Mikey Keene had to start, they could still win the game and Mm -hmm. a game plan with that. But Plumlee brings you something offensively that the other team can prepare for but still needs to stop. And at the same time, if he's effective running, you then still have to account for three very good wide receivers that UCF has. And if you go look in that game, even though Plumlee didn't throw for 300 yards... They still did things passing-wise that Tulane had to account for. And that opened up things offensively for UCF, and it paid off. And I think Gus believed that his offensive line was going to be able to win the battle up front against Tulane. It was two really, really good linebackers that are probably going to play on Sunday. But I think he felt my five and a six with a tight end up front, and then my blockers on the outside... I'm going to win. And he was right. Because it wasn't just Plumlee's big run. It was effective running game. And let me tell you something else that's emerged here. R.J. Harvey's become really big to the point that UCF can use him equally with Bowser. But you know what was full of gas in the fourth quarter on Saturday? Isaiah Bowser. Oh, man. 14 of his 19 carries came in the fourth quarter. And that is having a fresh bruising back where you don't have to wear on him in the first, second, and third. Now some games you might need him more, but you see that mixed up. Johnny Richardson had some big plays in mm-hmm. that game at a big third down catch. And all of a sudden Bows is fresh and look, I, I I wrote in my column today and I, I said it during the broadcast. Sometimes championship seasons have championship drives. Sixteen plays, seventy-five yards, eight minutes and six seconds. That's a championship drive that UCF went up by two scores, and Bowser was the workhorse. And you know they had to go on the fourth down there, but after that, they converted three straight third downs to get in the end zone on that drive. I have to admit, when UCF got that roughing the the field goal kick Ooh. penalty, I was like, well, no. It did give Tulane momentum briefly, but the Knights did get the win, and that's what uh, matters. Uh, you can catch the entire bridge. Mike and I talked about the Magic and their little win streak, as well as uh, Florida and Florida State, and some thoughts on uh, the NFL. Go to 96 ofthegamecom or where you get your favorite podcast. Just type in the bridge, and it'll pop up right there for you.
1: Can I do a little bit of Orlando City news? Uh, Sure. So on Friday we had the expansion draft for uh, St. Louis City. And we had somebody pick. Nico Joachini, first player drafted. Mm -hmm. Um, He's from uh, uh, Missouri, so he's from nearby. So promising young talent, so uh, wish him well. But Orlando said he did announce their end of uh, season decisions uh, when it comes to the roster. Uh, Alexander Pato, out of contract, and Teshu Akindele also out of contract. So uh, it would seem as though their uh, time with Orlando uh, has come to an end. Uh, Pato obviously had the devastating knee injury uh, a couple weeks ago. Before. I respect
0: soccer terminology, so let's just say they're up, they're free agents, and Orlando opted to not bring them back. Correct. Yeah.
1: Yes. Uh, they did uh, pick up the option on Wilder Cartagena's uh, deal, and um, per sources, uh, it looks like they're in talks with Uh, out-of-contract players Pedro Galese and uh, Mauricio Pereira to bring them back.
0: Translation, uh, free agents to be with an option to bring players back before hitting the free agent market.
1: I like this. I like this. Where I say something, mean, you, ex- you explain what it means. Well, no, say- no. I
0: I respect the terminology. It's just sometimes you got to translate. and Just go. Okay, so and so's contract's up. They're not bringing them back, mm-hmm. or so and so can be a free agent, but they have an option to have that player signed before they hit the market. Can I actually read what the press release? How the press release words it? Yeah.
1: City has extended bona fide offers.
0: Really? Yes. Well, that's. Uh... That's a new one.
1: Mm-hmm. Has uh to Ford Benji Michelle and goalkeeper Pedro Galeese, both of whom are out of contract, which will allow the club to retain a right of first refusal for the players.
0: Hmm. Wow. Okay. So yeah. Weird,
1: weird terminology when it comes to
0: soccer. And Orlando City. Uh anybody playing in the World Cup?
1: Uh, Facundo Torres got announced to the Uruguayan uh, uh, team, I think, on Friday. Friday afternoon. Okay. No, I mean, uh, Pedro Galese and Wielder Cartagena probably would have, but they lost in that knockout game um, uh, during the summer.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for the update.
1: Uh, No problem. Yeah, I thought I would uh, include that in there.
0: Um, The college football playoff rankings will come out tomorrow. Mark will have his top. 200 in that tomorrow. I don't know why I threw out 200. Uh, Mark won't have that. Uh,
1: you don't have, you don't, you don't, have, you don't, you don't
0: predict. You, don't. you do, you, you have a spreadsheet of 47 for the Heisman. Because I take my ballot serious. I'm not on the college football playoff committee, but I take my Heisman ballot uh, serious. Mm. Uh, college football playoff rank has come out tomorrow night. Uh, again, we still got two weeks of the regular season left, and then we have a uh, championship Saturday. So, so much can still happen uh, between now and then, and often what you think is going to happen doesn't go that way. There's always an upset or two that throws a curveball at people, and will likely have that. And you go, well, I don't know, I'm looking at games, and it, it, it always happens. Someone's going to lose this week that wasn't supposed to lose. Hopefully not UCF. They're not in the top four, but I'm saying for their path. But something happens. And then the same thing will happen next weekend. The same thing's going to happen on that first Saturday in uh, December because that is the beauty of college football and as I mentioned earlier today there are still a ton of scenarios that can play themselves out like I I know why people there's some if you follow certain members of the college football media that have liked the hey if we had a college football playoff with 12 teams this is what it was look like and they take you know uh, the six conference champions, and what the next top six rank, and they go, here's the matchup. And usually those brackets they put together don't take into account that two teams are going to play and lose. Like if you have Michigan and Ohio State at 2-3, they're not playing in the playoffs. Someone's going to lose the game that they play. You know Now, Georgia-Tennessee, that is an interesting one. If Georgia was to win out and... Tennessee, assuming that they went out without playing in the SEC championship game, would the committee have a rematch of Tennessee and Georgia, even though they played? Uh, Would, say, the Ohio State-Michigan winner be two, and then if TCU was to win out, and then you'd have a Georgia-Tennessee rematch? It's all possible. And I did bring up the point earlier about Georgia. Rightfully so, the number one team in the country. And Kentucky on the road this week and Georgia Tech should win both. And those that say, well, then there are a lock to make the playoff, regardless of what happens against LSU. And I understand that position today. But it is also why we play games. And if I had today pick Georgia-LSU, I would pick Georgia to win. And I think, looking at people that have done this, I think they'd be like a 16-point favorite over LSU. But if LSU was to win the game... And if by some chance it ends up being one of these 14, 16-point games, if you say, well, Georgia's still going to get in, it would be an interesting chaos. You know, could, could you have the visual of an LSU team with two losses beating Georgia? And again, I'm just throwing a scenario at you of, say, 35-20. And, and, and the visual of LSU beating Georgia by two scores... And then say, but the team that just lost deserves to be in the playoff over the team that just beat them and, and will also take Tennessee. Now you're like, wait a minute, they're not getting too... Uh, uh, so while Georgia absolutely deserves to be in the position they're in right now, it's why we keep playing, because you just never know what could happen. Back with a couple of items of notes and quotes for a wrap of a Monday show next.
2: 96.9 The Game. FM. HD. Online at 96.9TheGame.com. Nine, on your phone with the iHeartRadio app. And on hundreds of devices like Alexa, Google Home, Xbox, and Sonos. An iHeartRadio
0: station. Good choice to do an interview with anybody that you want. I, I guess you choose Pierce Morgan?
2: Uh, apparently so
0: where he then went on to blast Manchester United, Wayne Rooney, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, the current manager at Manchester United, Mm -hmm. and remind you that he's good-looking and playing in the World Cup.
1: No one forced him to sign with the team that he's with.
0: Uh, Well, he's trying to keep a brand relevant.
1: I know, but no one forced him to sign there. No one thought that move was going to make sense.
0: Uh... Here's one for you. hmm. Who gets to MLS first? I was just going to ask you this question. Messi or him.
1: Well, according to the Athletic, it seems like Messi's gonna happen. I have always been of the belief that Cristiano Ronaldo will just try to cash grab anywhere in in Europe or uh the Middle East as long as he can. Uh, so I don't I don't think he would come here. Okay. Yeah. Because there's enough of those clubs in, like, the Middle East that will just pay him whatever amount of money he wants.
0: There's some brand value, that'll come to the United States. I, the I understand would that. The salary would be low, but the, yeah. the, 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 you know, the payoff for the other stuff. Hollywood Reporter has posted their top 70 Marvel movies. Okay. Number one?
1: Uh. Ch- Captain America Civil War? The or-
0: Avengers. Oh, the first one? Okay. 2012. Spider-Man 2 from 2004. That's so good. Uh and number 3, uh The Black Panther. Black Panther's amazing. Iron Man? Yep. Is number 4. Mm-hmm. And rounding out of the top 5, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. That's the
1: one I meant. Winter
0: Soldier. Top yeah. 5, The Hollywood Reporter's mm. Marvel Top 70. Uh
1: all right. Uh teaser teaser dropped. What you uh would you think? It's a teaser for a trailer. Full trailer drops tomorrow for Come on, don't act Magic Mike's Last Dance. <laughs>
0: okay. Uh, the full trailer yeah.
1: comes out tomorrow.
0: Okay, and? What do you think? Yeah. I, I missed it. I'm sorry.
1: You didn't see the first two?
0: No. Oh. No. Yeah. Did I miss something? I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen them either. No. I told Scott I was driving home Saturday night after we landed. And I pull up at a light. And Scott, three cars then did like a fast, furious street race. Mm -hmm.
1: What's going on? We had David Hill on the show talking about this a few weeks ago. (laughs) What's going on? But that was out at the street. An actual sanctioned place.
0: These are are three cars, like, hey, time time to fast and furious it here, by the way. I mean, I. Kind of scared me a little bit. Um,
1: uh, g- uh, question. Yeah. Pac twelve is is the Pac twelve still up up for grabs?
0: Up for grabs to who can win it?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean USC's in a driver's seat, but that's to. I mean, two teams get to the championship games. Uh,
1: USC UCLA this week. Gus Johnson on the call.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. By the way, you know what I watched. You've seen Boiler Room, right?
1: I love Boiler Room, a criminally underrated see, movie.
0: See, Ben see, see Diesel's normal in that movie.
1: Yeah. He could be normal in movies. Nor- Mark, he's normal in Saving no,
0: Private Ryan. But, but, but that's, yeah, before he believed that he's a character that he is in the movie, he's he's good there. Yeah. It's a, oh. Ben Affleck. Giovanni Ribisi. Yeah, it's a Scott great movie. Scott Kahn. Great movie. Really good movie. Really good movie. i I I meant to tell you that I watched a piece of that last week and was like yeah, look, Vin Diesel—he's normal here. Uh, you want to know what place? You know, movie morally I, unethical guy, but yeah,
1: I weirdly had the urge to
0: rewatch the other day. <sighs> um, Benji Two, Full Metal Jacket. Oh no! What? I mean, there's some scenes, but it depends on what part of the movie.
1: The entire.
0: Oof. There's some stuff that just, it's too, it's too dark for it's me. It's
1: a very dark movie, too, yeah.
0: Too dark, yeah. Because even the stuff that you might laugh at, it's not funny when you know the darkness of what's happening in the movie. There, hmm No, the tough movie. Yeah. It's a tough one. Sit there and watch. Um, all right, again, a reminder tonight, uh, UCF basketball at 6.30 here on this station. Tip at 7, the Magic and the Charlotte Hornets on 104.5, the beat. Uh, same start, uh, pregame, and then tip at uh, 7 o'clock. Uh, we're back for a Tuesday edition of our show tomorrow. Matt, Michelle, we'll have a lot of college football stuff uh, to get to. and got a busy week of uh, guests lined up. Andrea Adelson, Wednesday. She's the guest next Monday. The Orlando Touchdown Club we will talk with her on Wednesday and a whole bunch of other people lined up for the week. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Miss any of today's show. Listen on demand at 96 game.com. You can always download it, have it sent to you, and uh, go where you find your favorite podcast and type in the beat of sports. Scott produced. I'm Mark Daniels, the beat of sports.
2: WJRR, HD2, Cocoa Beach. We are football. We are FM 96.9, the
0: game. (coughs) We were previously
2: on The Herd.
0: I mean, Peyton Manning's pop.